the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to hour number two of the Bruce Hooley Show. Final hour of the week. The weekend beckons, and we can't wait for it. Next week on this day and on Thursday, Jack Windsor of the Ohio Press Network will be hosting this show for me, and I appreciate that very much. We got uh, super positive reactions to Jack hosting the show a couple of weeks ago, and Jack is uh, joining us now via the phones. You can follow him on Twitter at Jack Windsor. His site is theohiopressnetwork.com. And, Jack, we have uh, another opportunity, tailor-made, for the left to break out its George Floyd playbook. We have a uh, black man um, died in an altercation with a white man, and so much the better. It's a uh, U.S. Marine, former U.S. Marine, and now a New York City subway killing, uh, the kind of violence that happens on the subway pretty routinely, although this one... Uh, I think a display of one man's courage and valor to protect innocent people around him uh, will be spun and is being spun into something that uh, underscores all the things that the left loves to stand for. Well, Bruce, first of all, thanks for having me today. It's always a pleasure to be here with you and the answer family. Yeah, it is tragic. And, you know, the mainstream outlets are going to spin this as black man versus white man, black man dies. Mm -hmm. Uh, The reality is, most of the tragedies we've seen, and I hate to use blanket statements, but the recent tragedies, whether it be shooting or, in this case, what happened on the subway, they involve people who are mentally ill. This gentleman, uh, to me, I'm not a psychiatrist, I'm not a doctor, but, but appears had some deep, deep issues, not recently, over more than a decade probably, mm-hmm. if not longer. He, uh, my understanding is rap sheet is about 40 uh, incidents deep. There was an outstanding warrant. Um, and by the way, there was a, a black gentleman, I believe, involved in either, you know, altercating or, you know, trying to apprehend him. But those are the things that the mainstream outlets won't tell you because it doesn't fit the, the narrative. Uh, instead, they want to show you a picture of him in a Michael Jackson outfit and uh, paint the picture that he was just some harmless guy on a subway that a Marine killed. And it's a travesty, right? I mean, if you want to solve a problem, Bruce, you, you covered athletics for a long time. I grew up an athlete. If I, were, if I was in a slump in the batter's box, I tried to find the solution so I could hit the ball. Here, the progressives, it's like they're immune or allergic to solutions. They don't want solutions. Uh, they want rhetoric so that they can uh, advance their progressive agenda, and that's what we're seeing here. Yeah, and that's what we're seeing in Columbus. I mean, uh, the irony of this is, uh, this week, the dispatch is running a long extended story on affordable housing, and they put Dublin in the crosshairs, Dublin and New Albany, as places where their housing is exclusionary. And we have, you know, a need for affordable housing in these areas. Uh, this is nothing more than a clever way to disparage what has always been uh, the way that people react when they achieve a certain level of success in life. You move to a bigger house, to a better neighborhood, to a better school. 
And uh, as far as I know, Jack, I drive through New Albany, I drive through Dublin, I drive through Hilliard. I don't see like vast swatches, uh, swaths of unoccupied real estate. There are plenty of people living there. There are people who have attained the level of success to live there. There are red line laws and fair housing laws that would not allow uh, anyone of any ethnicity or any uh, race to be kept out of those areas. And I don't think anyone today cares who lives next to them, just that they be a good neighbor. But this affordable housing push is, to me, uh, another way that the left can masquerade, can camouflage its efforts to tear down our institutions, to remove all the things that have been the way we've done things over the years and the paradigm and the mores that have prevailed over the years. Yeah, it's really interesting when you think about it from the deep vantage point of what are we looking at? We're looking at a you know political uh, economic structure that seems to be, uh, I don't know, in the crosshairs here. But the reality is the people, whether they're the writers at the dispatch, leaders at the dispatch, people in the community um, pointing fingers at Dublin, these folks love to be socialists when it's other people's money. Yep. But the minute that they have to ante up their money, all of a sudden, they love discriminant choices and free markets. And by the way, that's human nature. That's why economics works. That's why group psychology is understandable uh, because of the way that we're hardwired as human beings. The problem with these types of philosophies is that uh, the people who espouse them, they can't even get out of the gate without falling down. I mean, if there's such proponents of that, that's great. Give up your home, go pitch a tent and, and live there. Well, they won't do that because they're going to have this level of cognitive dissonance or, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I'm different. I'm different. I mean, it's just, it's crazy, Bruce. Um, and I, I guess what's maddening to me, I think you and I had lunch one time. This is what, and, and you, you said this, and I'm going to just repeat it here. This is what it looks like when the inmates run the asylum and yep. mainstream media and at the Columbus dispatch. Yep. Absolutely right. Jack Windsor, our guest, the Ohio press network.com. You can follow Jack on Twitter at Jack Windsor. All right. We, uh, let's go to the state house drama. We've got the uh, possible constitutional amendment to uh, raise amending the Constitution to a 60% standard as opposed to a 50% standard. Every green light has uh, occurred, except that it has not passed the House yet. And Jason Stevens, the Speaker, uh, kept it from being uh, voted on this week. It's got to be voted on by middle of next week. Uh, he says... He says, if I bring it to the floor, I'm going to vote for it. But the biggest word in that sentence is if, because there are those, and Beth Lear's one of them, and she's one of the good ones, one of the new ones in the Ohio uh, State House. Beth Lear says that, you know, if he doesn't bring it to the floor, then everybody's going to know that the promises that we think he made to Democrats to kill this, and, you know, to kill this initiative, he actually made to them by standing in the way of this thing coming to the floor, where if it comes to the floor, it will pass. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, and and that's it, right? And so uh, sunlight is the best disinfectant. And if this thing comes to the floor, all lights are going to be on the Ohio House. And if you're a Republican and you vote against that, you might as well go ahead and put your resume out because you're probably done in the state of Ohio. And so Jason Stevens, by not advancing it, uh, is protecting the lawmakers, right, um, who may be party to the de alleged deal that he made with Democrats. But, you know, the proof's in the pudding is what they say. And it sure seems like Jason Stevens has had every opportunity to get this 
on the floor. Uh, secondarily, there's a Senate Bill 92, which would create that spe- August special election. Well, that has been stalled in committee, a uh, committee that John Cross, by the way, has a leadership position on. Uh, it, they canceled their meeting, uh, and that would have come out of committee. So all, all signs and all signals point to the fact that this 60% deal is not going to get done. The August special election is not going to get done. And I expect next Thursday and Friday when I'm on air, I'm probably going to have some callers, and we're going to be untangling what this means for the conservative movement, the pro-life movement, and the parents' right movement in the state of Ohio. Yeah, no doubt. You'll do a great job. Looking forward to having you in. Jack Windsor, the Ohio Press Network, will be hosting for me next Thursday. And Friday, uh, handicap for me. We've got uh, what uh, some people call uh, a game of musical chairs among our state uh, legislators. They move from one office to another office to another, one branch to another branch to avoid the term limit thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dave Yost, Attorney General, Frank LaRose, Secretary of State, uh, both probably going to run for a different office coming up yeah. in 2024. And everybody thought uh, Yost for governor, LaRose for Senate. Uh, do you still think that's the way it's going to break, or do you think that there is in either one of those uh, gentlemen's minds at this point uncertainty about what they will run for? Yeah, I don't think that there is uncertainty right now in Frank LaRose's mind. And this is my opinion, editorializing, obviously. I expect that he will announce uh, it for the 24 race against Sherrod Brown, which would put him in the mix with Bernie Moreno uh, and Matt Dolan on the right side of the aisle. And that might turn into a dogfight. I think if LaRose gets in, then I think even Warren Davidson, congressman from Ohio, uh, would, would get in uh, to the race as well. But as it, as it relates to Dave Yost, I, that's a tricky one. Um, Dave Yost, when you wa- follow somebody's words and actions, right, like he's doing the things, saying the things, publicizing the things that make you think, okay, he's really posturing himself as a conservative. And so what is he going to do with that? I would have guessed governor, and I'll tell you why. As the attorney general, he knows where the bodies are buried. Yeah. I mean, he's the he's the guy that the governor's office consults with. So, you know, if a John Husted runs, which I think everybody expects in a primary against Dave Yost, Dave Yost is the guy that might know what strings to pull to say, hey, uh, John Husted, let me tell the Republican uh, Republicans in Ohio a little bit about your business. So I, I would expect 26 maybe Dave Yost for governor, but it – I don't know yet. I don't have any confidence in telling you where he's going to where he's going to land. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch the whole thing uh, play out. I particularly think the Senate race is going to be super interesting because uh, I think Bernie Moreno is a force to be reckoned with in Ohio because I think his story resonates, and we'll just have to wait and see if we're right on that. But uh, you know, Matt Dolan did okay in the primary the last time, and uh, but I think Moreno's story resonates, and uh, when you're in next week, you can. Uh, You can assess that if you care to. But I appreciate you coming on the show today and look forward to seeing you next week. God bless you, Bruce. Have a great weekend, man. There you go. Jack Windsor, the Ohio Press Network. Now, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, everybody knows that. He was on the Hugh Hewitt Show this morning. What did uh, the governor have to say? Find out next. So I sometimes make fun of Joe Biden for doing nothing. What is he doing? Like he announced he's running for re-election in a video like a week or so ago, and then nothing. Like he's barely made an appearance this week, which is, I think, jet lag hitting the old boy in the aftermath of his trip to Ireland. So 
he's not doing anything, and because he's not doing anything, it underscores the viewpoint that he's too old to do much or he's not in charge. But then I have to ask myself, what does Mike DeWine do on a daily basis? Where is Mike DeWine? What is Mike DeWine doing? Like, I see other governors on the news a lot. I don't see Mike DeWine on the news very much. Mike DeWine hunkered down in Cedarville? Is he pounding the lectern at the state house trying to get school choice passed? <laughs> the idea of that is just ridiculous, of course, because our governor is not a leader. And then I see Ron DeSantis. He's touring the world. I know Ron DeSantis is running for president. Mike DeWine isn't. I get it. But while Ron DeSantis is going to uh, Israel and while he's giving speeches all over the country, he's also getting things done in the state of Florida. And he's getting practical things done. Okay? So he was on Hugh Hewitt this morning. Ron DeSantis was. And whenever DeSantis is asked about running for president, he always says, well, we're in the middle of a Florida legislative session. And once the legislative session is over, you know, then I'll look at, you know, what my options are. Now he knows what he's going to do. Of course he knows what he's going to do. But you might think, well, what is going on in the Florida legislative session? So I thought it would be interesting to play some of Ron DeSantis' comments this morning on the Hugh Hewitt Show on just the practical things that he's getting done in the state of Florida for the state of Florida. Because I know there's this perception out there that, Everything DeSantis is doing is meant to spark headlines. Oh, he's taking on Disney. Oh, he's taking on the woke. Oh, he's fighting the culture war. And all that's fine. I want him to do those things. But if you think he's not an effective governor, listen to this like little bit of Florida legislative minutia that Hugh Hewitt asked Ron DeSantis about, and Ron DeSantis explains why he did it. And then... If you're like me, you can envy the fact that Florida has a governor like this, and we don't. I grew up on the Ohio Turnpike. The price has never gone down. It has never gone away. We paid for that road like 30 times. What did you do for commuters on toll roads in Florida in December? We slashed the toll starting January 1st by 50% for all our commuters because, you know, Hugh, they have these passes. So in Florida, we have a sun pass. So as you go, look, if you're a visitor, you're paying the toll full boat. But if you're a commuter and you, you ding a certain number of times in a month, uh, your next bill, you just get a 50% reduction. And so we have people in South Florida and some other parts of the state, you know, they'll pay $100, $150, $200 a month in tolls depending on where they have to go for work. So this is going to save people hundreds of dollars. And in some cases, it'll save them over $1,000. So when you're dealing with Biden inflation, when you're dealing with all these problems, we've just basically said, how can we provide relief to everyday Floridians? And it's been very popular and people appreciate it. Well, you know, I looked at it. I said, Mike DeWine, take note. This should happen on the Ohio Turnpike. Hmm. Hugh got the shot in there. Governor DeWine. Good job, Hugh. Now, something else that Ron DeSantis did in Florida and you never even saw a headline on this, was tort reform. Tort reform is one of those things where people say, and you go, well, what does that even mean, tort reform? In the state of Florida, where they have a lot of devastating natural disasters like hurricanes, you used to be able to file a lawsuit. Oh, my house collapsed. I'm going to sue the builder. Oh, my roof collapsed. I'm going to sue the roofer. And in the state of Florida, you could sue, and if you... One, 
the other side had to pay your legal fees. But if you lost, if you lost, there was no penalty to you. No penalty at all. So what did that foster? Well, it fostered all kinds of ridiculous, overblown, unsubstantiated lawsuits. They had like 10% of the claims nationwide for faulty construction. They had 70% of the lawsuits nationwide. So DeSantis swooped in and said, no, if you're going to do this, then you're going to have to pay the penalty. If you lose, you got to pay the other side's legal fees. So that's just common sense legislation. And I hear Seb Gorka say that, I don't want, uh, Ron DeSantis, he wouldn't be a good president because uh, he's nothing but a politician. Well, I want a politician. I want somebody who knows how to use the levers of power. Here's Hugh's question to Ron DeSantis about teachers' unions and union dues. Again, you don't see this written about, but this is something that really worked for the teachers who did not want to be forced to pay teachers' union dues. Speaking of teachers' unions, another bill that every red state should have done, I think you did it first, eliminate automatic deduction union dues from especially teachers' unions. A lot of teachers don't want to be in those unions. They can't get out without a lot of pressure. You now take the pressure off of them, and bravo. Yeah, so what the, the unions will do is they'll, they'll put an authorization form in front of the teachers so you got to sign this to authorize the deductions. They don't say how much money it's going to be or anything. So they sign it, and then you get multiple deductions just as a matter of course withholding and stuff on your paycheck. So it's not something that's as noticeable. So our view is if someone wants to join a teacher's union, they we should not be involved from the government perspective of doing any of these automatic deductions. They can write the check, and they can hand it. I think fewer and fewer teachers are going to want to do that. And in Florida, actually, the majority of members of the teachers' unions aren't even teachers. It's people, uh, other other types of employees in the school system. But I've done more to increase teacher salaries than any governor in Florida history. But here's what happened. We would earmark money only for teacher salaries. It can't be used for anything else. But it still requires the negotiation with the school district and the union. And the un- some unions in some of these blue counties were holding back the teacher salary increases and using that as leverage to get other things that they wanted. I'm like, wait a minute, these are the people you're supposed to be representing. you got a pile of cash that we've provided. Get the money in their pockets. And so what we're doing this year, we're protecting against the automatic deductions, but we're also doing a billion-dollar uh, teacher, we call it a categorical. It's got to go to increase teacher size. So that's the biggest increase in the history of Florida. That's effective legislation right there. One of the reasons why I like Ron DeSantis I want to hear more from Tim Scott. The Democrats aren't going to allow any debates. They're not going to let RFK or Marianne Williamson dent Joe Biden. No one on the Republican side should be afraid to debate. May the best person win. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.